Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311 Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersh, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter, as we talk to you about college football, including a 2021 Cyclone football season preview, the MLB, your weekly turtle tab, Mike Stupid Rules, and write that down predictions here on episode 140. We're going to keep our fun fact short and sweet this episode because we got plenty to talk about when it comes to cycling football. But speaking of football, we all know that the Minnesota Vikings have not won a Super Bowl, but they kind of have. If you take the results of all the Super Bowls of all time and strip out all of the scores by the offense, leaving just scores by the defense, uh, extra points and uh, safeties, you know, special team touchdowns. Technically, the Vikings won Super Bowl nine, six to two against the Steelers because the Vikings in the fourth quarter recovered a blocked punt in the end zone and scored and then proceeded to miss uh, the point after attempt, right? And uh, who did they even play in Super Bowl nine now? I can't remember. The Steelers. They had a safety in the first quarter. So technically, if you take out all the scores by the offense, the Vikings won Super Bowl nine, six to two. So there's in fact, this is mean anything no and the, the bills are the same thing they're the other team in the list that uh that actually technically has kind of a super bowl win but not really if you take it. I mean, it's not even technically a super bowl win it's yeah it's kind of like i said kind of in, in air quotes very tiny text kind of they played good d well no that doesn't even mean they played good defense uh, it means nothing what is this even mean? what are you trying to do to me wyatt <laughs> trying to make you feel good and then have you fall back in it, it doesn't make me feel good i don't feel good right now i feel confused <laughs> you know what i'm not confused about though What's how excited i am for cyclone football to start up this week true that we are now what is it five days five days away from the cyclones opener against you and i and as promised in our last episode we will, of course, go through our Cyclone football preview. We'll get to our game-by-game game, um, predictions um, shortly. But the first thing I want to uh, talk about is uh, position groups to watch. I want one offensive and one defensive position group from each of you, or special teams. You could, you could choose to replace either offense or defense with a special team if you wanted to. But... So I want two position groups from each of you that you're most going to be watching this. I can start if you want. Um, to I, me, I mean, oh, you want to go? I was going to say I can go. Go for if it. If you didn't want to. Knock yourself out. Go for it. Kyle. So, yeah. So I'm going to start off on defense. Uh, so my defensive position group to watch is going to be the defensive line. Uh, with the loss of Jaquan Bailey last season uh being the force that he was and the all-time sack leader at, in iowa state history i think there's there's definitely some room for uh players to step up obviously will mcdonald was that quiet force and presence that he was last season i believe uh correct me if i'm wrong he led the team in sacks last season uh, ten and a half sacks yeah ten and a half sacks and he he was pretty much quietly one of the better defensive ends in the big 12. Um, I think he's poised for a big season, but who else is going to help him, especially on this unique three-man front? Right. Uh, how, how will he be when he doesn't have Jaquan Bailey on the other side? Right. So that is, that is my, that is my uh, unit to watch basically is who else is going to step up to relieve that pressure uh, that Will McDonald is going to have, especially when he's getting double teamed and maybe triple teamed. Uh, Awazarike is back um, for a senior season. Uh, it'll be if he can stay healthy and stay on the field, he's going to take a lot of those snaps um, it, on the interior of that line, uh, as well as Isaiah Lee, who kind of stepped up last season as well for this team. Uh, he's listed as the starting nose guard on the first official uh, depth chart of the season that was just released um, on August 30th. And on the other side, at other edge rusher, uh, Zach Peterson, in his senior year, um, they often talk of him as kind of a Swiss army knife along that defensive line. Uh, there's a lot, been a lot of talk about him coming out of campus, trying to step up into that position, uh, into that void left by um Jaquan Bailey but will he step up enough he is listed as the starter opposite of Will McDonald 
So we, it is to be seen what, what this uh, unit looks like and how much pressure they are able to get in this unique defensive scheme. I think, I think we know a lot of what we're getting on offense. Uh, so I'm actually going to go to special teams, as Mike had alluded to, giving me the freedom to do so. And I'm going to look specifically at our kickoff unit. Um, that was a big, big question mark early on in the season and really all year that kind of puzzled us as to kind of the scheme and what, what we were trying to roll out there. Um, early indications from camp is the kicking competition has been, uh, they've just been battling each other on who can kick it the farthest out of the end zone and who can kick it out of the end zone the most reliably. Um, yes, we, that'll make for some boring kickoffs, but Hey, boring is better. And, and the reason why is we don't want to give up two uh, kickoff return touchdowns or special teams touchdowns like we did to Louisiana last year. Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're not going to do that. Touchbacks are great for kickoffs, right? The amount of good that you're going to get from not getting a, a, a touchback on the kickoff is less than the potential for bad for not getting a touchback, right? Like if you get a touchback, maybe they start at the – if you don't get a touchback, maybe they start at the 20 instead of the 25, maybe the 15 if you're really good. Or they might end up in the end zone. I'd, I'd rather just take the touchback. And it, you're relying a lot on are you are you filling your lanes first and foremost? But you're to some people they're also relying on uh, the receiving team to get penalized as well. If they're a really well coached team, they're not going to get those penalties. Uh, so the risk to reward factor here is very very high risk and low reward. So just boot it out of the end zone. Leave no question about it. Kick yeah. it, kick it into the marching band. If you're going like, that way, I do like getting the football. I do yes. always like that. Do that. Do that. Let's, let's not have any special teams touchdowns unless we're getting them this year. So those are my units. Okay. Um, I'll be pretty quick. Uh, I'll, I'll go and go next. Mike, you can round us out with some more, more knowledge, but Kyle, I, I agree with your defensive pick on the D line. Uh, namely, like you said, Jaquan Bailey's the only guy that's really leaving the, the D line. And not only do we have that awesome breadth, but we have a huge depth as well. Um, a, a lot of our backups are, are kicking, but um, what, what are they? J.R. Singleton being one of them, the freshman who's battling for time. Singleton's one of them. I had a list here and then I, I lost my list. Of and, and for all of our listeners out there, J.R. Singleton, if you would like to know, he was a former quarterback in high school now playing or slotted in at nose guard uh, on Iowa State's defensive line. So not saying that he's going to make an appearance at quarterback, but maybe a land ram, land, landing ram package coming, making its way back. I, I would like to see that again. The other two that I had in mind were uh, Cordarius Bailey and Tucker Robinson as well. So uh, we have the, this awesome depth, you know, awesome backups for the D-line uh, with, you know, returning knowledgeable D-line players. I'm super excited to see produce on the defense um i'm excited to see the offense of course we kind of know what we're getting hopefully as long as uh, the package gets delivered as it was sent last year not damaged in shipping we'll see so special teams what i'm really going to be keeping an eye on is, is our punting Corey dunn is our punter this year if i'm not mistaken uh, the only thing i got is we got to be able to to put the ball where we wanted to put the we saw last year a lot of times the ball would get shanked off halfway down the field or go right down the middle. We couldn't block on a punt return. So what I'm really looking for is is good punts this year because we got burned a lot on that last year. I don't know if there's been any improvements. I haven't heard anything about a, a proper special teams um, debrief or from a coach or anything yet. I don't know if you guys have, but that's what I'm, I think is going to be our, the key to our special teams is being able to punt and block on punt. Yeah, I can see that. Um I'm going to go different than all of you on both of my position groups. What I'm watching for on defense is I'm actually watching the safeties on defense, right? Outside of the defensive line, the other defensive hole Iowa State's got to replace is they've got to replace um, Lawrence White at safety. Um, they still have yeah, free Young. safety specifically. Yeah, they still have Ashim Young um, in the safeties. Um, hopefully he won't get ejected in the first 
four players of any of the games this year, like he did in the big 12 championship game. Um, but I expect him to have another big year um, just like he did as a freshman. Now coming into Philip for Lawrence, right? We have a, uh, a transfer, I believe from Villanova. Um, yep, to Quan Amos. Quan Amos. Yep. Um, he played very well. He had 10 interceptions in his career at Villanova. So he's played well at Villanova. The question is, can that play transfer from the American into the big 12, right? It's a little bit of a step up there. Um, how dominant can he be? Um, can he replace white enough that that back end of the secondary is still solid enough that it can hold up in coverage against what might with what might be a diminished pass rush, right? The secondary becomes more important if the pass, pass rush is worse because they're going to have to cover more. So that to me, that's a group to watch, specifically Amos. How is he going to do um, playing safety in the Big 12? And um, let's not forget uh, second team All-American on a lot of ballots. Greg Eisworth is still in the secondary roaming around. So... Uh, yes, we do have one hole to fill, but hopefully Aishim Young can stay on the field and Greg Eisworth will continue his level of play that he has for the past two seasons for the Cyclones. Yeah. Yep. Um, on offense, I'm actually going to pick offense. I'm looking at the wide receiver. I'm a little bit concerned about this wide receiver core. Um, we all know about the tight ends. Um, the tight ends are going to be great and that's going to help this wide receiver core. But, I mean, so the wide receiver core, you've got Xavier Hutchinson, Sean Shaw, and Tyreek Milton um, are going to be your, your top three wide receivers. Now, Hutchinson, we know what we got from him last year, and that was great. I'm not really concerned there. But um, Tyreek Milton you, has great speed, but he was injured a lot last year. Um, can that speed still play after the injuries? Um, but if he can play, that speed is going to create the, that next level to the passing game that sometimes Iowa state was missing, especially late in the year last year when he was injured. So that's one of the things that I'm going to watch. Um, and then with uh, Sean Shaw and Joe skates, um, I just want them to take a step forward, especially skates. He was a, he's one of the best recruits in Iowa state history when we recruited him, as far as the rankings uh, have, uh, have been. And he's done pretty much nothing um, in an Iowa state uniform. So I'm, now looking for him to take that step forward to be a big fourth receiver option, especially if there are any injuries this year would be big. Um, if he could step up, take a step forward and live up to that potential. So that's what I'm looking for is for that receiving core to live up to that potential that they have. We haven't seen it with the exception of Hutchinson and some flashes from Milton. We haven't really seen that full potential, and I want to see that. That's what I'm looking for out of the Sean, Sean Shaw had a very, very good game against Texas last season down in Austin, um, and that was really his only good game, really, uh, I mean, solid showing for the Cyclones. He needs to be able to utilize his size. He's listed 6'6", 220. The only other receivers that we have on our roster six six or above are our tight end group so he is as tall as charlie kohler and almost as tall as chase allen he just needs to be able to become a little bit more physical on the outside and use that height and leverage to become that impact receiver that brock purdy needs opposite xavier hutchinson yeah yeah overall i'm, I'm super excited i think this is going to be a great team but those are the, those are the things that i'm concerned about and and this o-line is going to be good guys sean foster back senior trevor downing back junior colin newell healthy again senior his backup joey ramos there who is who started all last season junior uh derek schwager He's back as a senior, and his backup when he got hurt last year, Daryl Simmons played fantastic. Uh, and then Jake Remsburg at right tackle, sophomore. So this offensive line is going to be able to move some earth and move move some bodies up front, and I, it's just going to make Brees Hall's year even that much better. Yeah, it, it's going to be – I'm not – for the first time in um, my time being our state fan, I'm not concerned about the offensive line at all, which is good because I'm definitely concerned about the Vikings offensive line. So it's good that I don't have to be concerned about the Cyclones offensive line. And um, it's, a, there's, even, it's there's even good depth if there is yeah. an injury or two. So I was that, just about to say great, great depth behind the starters as well, which 
which is awesome. Yep. Um, are there any, we all know the, the star players, right? Our Brock Purdy's, our Brees Hall's, our Mike Rose's. Are there any maybe some under the radar players you want to highlight um, that people should watch this year? Um, anything we should keep an eye on in that respect? I, I would say keep your eyes on Aishim Young. Um, if, he, if he can stay on the field, um, I, I think he has the potential to be one of those potential first-team all-Big 12 safeties, possibly. Maybe he has a better year than Greg Eisworth. He, he can really fly all over the field. He can get to the ball. Uh, it was a huge loss when, when he went out in those first four plays uh, in the Big 12 championship game last season. Um, I think he is one of those key impact players to watch, maybe one that hasn't, hasn't received a ton of, of credit coming out of, out of the offseason like those big-name players that everyone talks about. Wyatt, you got any players we need to keep an eye on? Might have sneaky good years. I think almost everybody on this team is going to be so good. Uh, I can't think of any any. If you were to ask me who's going to be the star player that we're talking about going into next year, I would have. I I don't know. I, um, I, this team is just. Yeah, to me, it's uh, Jaleel Brock is the player to keep an eye on. He's going to be all alone as the second string running back behind Brees Hall this year. Um, we saw how much use Kene Nwangu got last year, right? He got his fair share of touches, both in kick returns and out of the backfield. Um, and now Jaleel Brock is going to be replacing him both as the kick returner and the number two running back. So I'm looking at him. He doesn't have quite as much speed as Nwangu, but he should be um, a good um, backup running back. I think he's going to show flashes. Remember, in a lot of the recruiting rankings, he was ranked as a better recruit than Brees Hall in a lot of those recruiting rankings. Now, Texas knows all about how good recruiting rankings are. Um, they don't necessarily equal wins, but um, right, he's obviously got the potential and he, he showed it in high school to be ranked that high. So I'm looking for him to, to be sneaky good this year as a kick returner and a second running back. That's, that's who I'm looking out for. Yeah. So. I, I, I think that's good to point out uh, as of right now, uh, it's listed T, TBA uh, on under special teams for punt returner and kick returner. So we'll see um, who ends up getting that job. I assume Milton is going to be returning punts and I, I Brock do as is well. Be returning kicks, but Brock in a mixture of maybe one of those freshman running backs, depending on who they decide to and not to redshirt. Well, and you got Walling there too, who's yep. returned some kicks before too. Right. Uh, I would like to point out, though, one thing that that as Wyatt alluded to looking forward, like who's going to be that big player, that star player that we're talking about next year. I just like to turn our eyes. I would like to see how in certain situations we start to develop some of our linebacking core for the years coming up. That has been a huge push recently for the Cyclones in the recruiting front is they've recruited a bunch of talent at linebacker because this year we're set. Jake Hummel, senior. Mike Rose, senior. Orion Vance, senior. You know what's terrifying about that? All of them are seniors. They're great this year. Tons of experience, tons of, tons of, you know, they've, they've played multiple games every single year for this Cyclones team in, in recent history. And their backups are all sophomores or juniors. Um, so are there times in which we can, we can start to help develop that crop for years going forward? But I don't want to pay too much attention to that because, you know, we have to cherish what is shaping up to be a very, very exciting season. And along with that comes our game by game prediction schedule. Uh, so what we're going to do here is we have it all listed on the, we have the Iowa state cyclone schedule all listed out and we're going to go game by game with every, uh, every contributor here on the 8311 cast and get our predictions win or loss. Uh, so obviously first coming up this Saturday, this Saturday cyclone football is back. The product is back on the field. Mike, who do you have in this game against you and I? I mean, I've got, I've got the Cyclones. I mean, 
Uh, football power index gives them a 98% chance to win this game. Um, I don't think it's necessarily quite that high. I am still, of course, nervous. The fact that Iowa State is just bad in week one. They have been for years, and that makes me nervous. But they're going to win this game. Like there's, I just don't see a way they don't win this game. I've got this as a win. Wyatt, this is a must-win game. Imagine if, if we didn't lose, if we didn't win this game, there is no season. There, there is no 2021 season to look forward to after that. And with that kind of pressure almost, you, you got to start thinking about the player's psyche. You know, If you're an Iowa State player right now, imagine you're Brock Purdy. You're going to go into this game thinking, I'm going to win this game 100%. You know, Easy peasy. What we can't do is just assume it's going to be an easy game. Like I said, easy peasy. Uh, because there, there is that potential that we lose. We've lost to you and I when we went to college there in 20, 2016. Um, and we can certainly do it again. But I have this as a, we're better than that. Yeah, I, I'm also going to go with the win. I think there there's just too much riding on this season for this not to turn out this way. Um, I think I think there's a lot more preparation. I wouldn't say a lot more preparation that went into this season compared to last season, but circumstances are different. Full off season, everything's been regular to this point, uh, getting ready for the season. So, I mean, this has to be a win. Just you can't look too much ahead to the following week, which Iowa State plays host to university of iowa um this game is another big game i think it's another 330 kickoff right mike yes that's correct so so 330 kickoffs for the first two weeks so mike iowa state versus iowa what you got i've gone back and forth on this one um this weekend as i was prepping for this um but i got this as a win i think iowa state's gonna win i think we finally um we finally uh, slay the dragon and beat Iowa. Matt Campbell has never beaten Iowa, and I think this is finally the uh, finally the week or finally the year where we get it done. I think we're the better team. In 2019, we played better than Iowa and still lost. I mean, it still goes back to the fact we outgain our average yards. Um, we averaged like three yards per play more than Iowa back in 2019 when we played them and still lost at the time. Teams that had done that were 498 and two. And we were one of the two losses when you outgain your opponents in yards per play that much. Um, we just haven't been able to um, get, this, get, the, uh, get the win on the scoreboard. Um, I think that happens this Wyatt. I agree. I have this as a win um, with that caveat of we've never beaten Iowa. We've got Mac and we definitely should have at least won. But I. Uh, I don't know. I was going to come into this game hungry, wanting to wanting to win just as bad, if not worse, than we want to win. I don't know. This is probably my weakest win that I have right now. Uh, I'm scared for it, but I think we can do it. Yeah, I think I, I think this is one that's been circled for quite a while on the schedule, which is which is why I say don't look too far ahead when you play Northern Iowa this weekend. But I think with the with the Jack being packed for this game, I, I think this is Matt Campbell. Matt Campbell breaks, breaks the hump here. He, he crests that Ridge uh, and gets a win with the Cyclones against the Hawkeyes that week. Uh, following a, so we all have them two and O two and O they head out to the desert to play at the Allegiant stadium, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders stadium as they play UNLV. Uh, out in Vegas. Mike, what do you got? Yeah, I get that as a win. I mean, it's a road game, but at least a third of those fans are going to be Cyclone fans that made the trip, at least. At, at um, least. it's It might be more. Yeah, that, that that's going to be a win. I don't have much more to say about that. We're better than them. This is definitely a win. Um, the only thing I have to say to that is if you're going to the game, make sure you bring plenty of money to spend at the casinos because it's going to be a good night after the game. Also, I believe uh, you have to bring your vaccine card to that game, question mark, you, you slash do. negative COVID test. So if you are a fan going to that specific game, the UNLV game, not generic Iowa State games, but the UNLV game, you need your proof of vaccination or negative COVID test. So keep that in mind. You do. All right, 3-0 and 
heading down to Waco, Texas to play the Baylor Bears. Mike, what do you have here? I have this as a win as well. I don't think Baylor is going to be super great this year. Um, it's a road game and road conference games um, are going to be tough. They always will be more on that later. Um, but yes, I got this. I got this as a W. I think, I think we are able to outlast Baylor, especially because if I look at the schedule correctly, I believe we have a buy. No, sorry. We have a buy before Kansas. We have a buy after Baylor, not before. Um, so anyway, yes, I got this as a win. I also have this as a win. I, I just don't think, I mean, Baylor coming off their not so hot season last year. I, I don't see them being that great. It's going to be tough. Like you said, it's a road game in the big 12. It's always tough, but we got this, especially if we, if we rack up those three wins beforehand, that's just putting more steam in the engine. We're going to, we, we can win that game. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm along the same pace with you all here. Um, I think if there's a game that we are sweating it out because it is a lot closer than we think it should be, or we're trying to fight our way back for a win in the fourth quarter, um, definitely mark this one on your calendar as that one. It, it, every single time we seem to play down at, in Waco, it seems to be a uh, stressful event. Um, Baylor always seems to play Iowa State close no matter where the game is. Uh, before we move on, though, uh, do we get tense or not? Your initial reactions here, Mike. Do you? Oh, tense on the sideline. I believe the equipment managers have already filed for tents, so Baylor can't use the excuses we didn't uh, ask for them far enough in advance. Um, so we better? We better. Or it better be a night game? I, I don't think Baylor's good enough to make that a night game. That's probably an 11 a.m. kickoff in Waco. Uh, yeah. So hopefully we will have tents. Yeah, uh, just note that UNLV game is a late, late night game. 9.30 p.m. Central Time kickoff against UNLV. So take an afternoon nap that day before the game because you're going to be up past midnight watching that. Indeed. Indeed. Speaking of, uh, well, not late in the afternoon or evening games. Uh, another 11 a.m. kickoff, presumably. Uh, Iowa State will host KU. Mike? Win. Enough said. I don't know. Texas almost lost to Kansas. You like we aren't Texas. Texas almost. We aren't Texas, no. <laughs> no, this is a win. I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah win. I mean, KU sucks. Uh, moving on, Purple Kansas uh, on the road at K-State in Manhattan. Mike, what do you got? This is another one I've gone back and forth on. Boy, Kansas State always plays the best teams in the conference really, really tough, no matter who that team is, right? They've beaten Oklahoma two straight years now, I believe. Um, they usually play Texas tough. I actually have this one down as a loss. I think we, uh, we get tripped up and lose to K-State. I don't know, because uh, we have that bye week right, right before Kansas, right? And we have the Kansas game, and then we have K-State. And I think if we can rack up the wins prior to this game and we can, like I said, keep the steam going in the, in the, the steam engine, I think we'll be just fine. I think we can power through K state. It's going to be a tough game, especially being in Manhattan, but I got this as a win. Manhattan. We, some, we somehow don't seem to play well in Manhattan, Kansas ever. Um, this always seems, and, and it's not all Iowa state's fault. K state plays all the top teams. Very, very tough. They always are prepared no matter who's at the helm, uh, whether it's grandpa or if, if it's this uh, Chris Kleinman at uh, head coach for the Wildcats. Um, I think the Cyclones are going to be 5-0 and coming into this game and not knowing what to do uh, and looking too far ahead to the tough back end of the schedule. Um, so I think this is the game that trips them up that we don't think, well, I guess we are thinking it, but that – Iowa State loses that they probably shouldn't. So I have this as an L. Yeah. Mike. Keep in mind oh, that even go, going into this game, Iowa State may even be a top five team, depending on what happens in front of them. If they start 5-0, and oh, there's a potential that they're a top five team going into to Manhattan. That would yeah, be fun. K-State but... likes to take down top five teams. They, they have a history of doing that. So, yes. Uh, then Iowa State comes home either uh, – Riding a high or licking their chops, Mike, when we play Oklahoma State, uh, what do you have in this game? 
I've got that one as a win. I think um, they rebound. I don't think Matt Campbell lets this team fall into an extended losing streak. Um, this is also homecoming. Um, so there'll just be a lot of buzz around the stadium around this game. I think the home crowd and Matt Campbell keeps this team focused and turns it around for I would tend to agree. I see this as a win as well. Like you said, it's homecoming. It's it's just one of those magical Jack Trice atmospheres that's going to really add to the game. Um, I don't have much more to say on that one, I guess. Rocktober, baby. Moving on. At West Virginia, Morgantown, uh, the Riot Bowl. Mike. I've gone back and forth on this one, too. Part of me wants to make this one another loss. Um, boy. I'm going to do it. I think they lose this game too. Um, I think this team is good, but I think the conference is good. I think the middle teams in this conference are going to be better than people think they're going to be. I think Oklahoma State, Kansas State, West Virginia, Texas are going to be better than people think they're going to be. Well, except maybe Texas um, are going to be better than people think they're going to be. And I think we get tripped up on the road at West Virginia. So I actually agree. This is my first loss that I have. Uh, at Morgantown. Going back to your guys' logic about uh, Kansas State on how we might be riding that high or something and kind of kind of forget the game, I think this is where that happens, right? We've already had a couple tough games, uh, nothing too crazy. And like you said, we're starting to look ahead to uh, next week at Texas, not that we think Texas is great, or uh, versus Texas. And then thinking further ahead a couple weeks to Oklahoma. I think this is where we get tripped up on the road. In- I'm going to go against the grain. Uh, I I actually like what all of you are saying, and I think West Virginia schematically actually lines up really, really tough against Iowa State. I think this is a tough game, but I think this is one of these character-building games where Iowa State wins it on, let's say, a last-second field goal. Uh, and I, I think this is going to be one of those games. It's still Brocktober. Uh, nothing more said about that. Um, but – I do think this will be one of the toughest, toughest tests uh, in the middle of the schedule before they get into, you know, those, those two teams that are moving on to the SEC at some point. Um, So I, I, I'm going to say this is a last second field goal W for the, for the Cyclones. It's one of those gutsy uh, games that they, that is a character building game going forward. So speaking of the, um, uh, yeah, uh, Mike, they come home to play Texas, horns down, uh, in Ames the following weekend. Who do you have in this game? Um, I've got Iowa State winning this one. I think um, Texas is going to have some growing pains, especially on offense without Sam Allinger. Um, I don't think they're going to be a top 25 team this year, so I've got this one as a win. I got I got words for you. Win, semicolon, shutout. Are you calling for another Halloween? I guess this one's early November instead of Halloween. In 2015, when we shut out Texas on Halloween at home, that was fun. Yes. Another shout out of Texas at home. I, I can't deny that would be good. I, I just don't know if, if um, Sark, the Steve Sarkeesian, Texas's head coach, will be able to pull the troops together um, this season. I think – Maybe going forward, they might be a little bit more competitive, but I think this year is going to be a changing of the guard, and Iowa State will will handle Texas pretty easily, I think, in this game. Uh, then they have a they have another test in what's always a weird one of you know how many points are going to be scored in this game. Mike, how do you what do you think the outcome of the at Texas Tech game is going to be? Yeah, so ESPN Football Power Index actually has this right now as Iowa State's hardest game up to this point in the schedule, which I wouldn't have guessed. Um, but I've still got this as a win for Iowa State. Um, I think we'll get it done at Texas Tech. We don't uh, look too far ahead to OU. We get it done against Texas Tech in November. I would tend to agree. I, I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, Texas Tech isn't anything special this year, right? They're just kind of... They're unranked, but so is most of the Big 12, so... I don't see this as being a huge challenge. Obviously, again, it's another road game in the Big 12, so it's, it's always going to be difficult. But I see this as a win. Maybe not a huge win. Uh, potentially a high-scoring game like Kyle alluded to, but uh, I got this as a win. I, I think, like Mike said before, the middle of the Big 12 is going to be a lot better than people think. I think this is one of these teams. Um, they have the transfer um, – uh, yeah, what's his name? Chuck uh, from oh. – 
Oregon. Yeah, the guy we beat in the Fiesta Bowl. The guy we beat in the Fiesta Bowl. Um, So I don't don't know if he's been named the starter officially for their team or not. Oh, he has. Okay. So, you know, they could be competitive, uh, but I – I think this is a win. Um, Cyclone fans, if you're betting, bet the over. Moving on. Uh, the biggest game of the year, the the highlight of the year at OU, Spencer Rattler led Sooners. Mike, what? how do we do? I Boy, we've beaten OU in Norman before, but I don't think we can do it when we're actually a good team and the fans are actually show up and cheer against us. Right, like as fun as that 2017 win in uh, Norman was, you have to admit that if this was a top 25 Iowa State team, they sell out, it's a raucous crowd, and we get beat because that crowd pulls them away to victory instead of the sleepy crowd that half of them left at halftime. Um, because have, it was like an 11 a.m. game. Yeah, it was. And they have the crowd left at halftime because you know it was a blowout at halftime and we were bad. Um, but that won't be, that won't be the case of this game with big 12 title, um, game chances probably on the line. Um, in this one, I've got, this as a loss. I think it goes to OU. I think you'll be able to predict the ending of this game within the first, I don't know how it's going to go though. I, I think within the first couple of plays, you'll be able to get the vibe of the game. We'll be able to gut read who's going to win. Right. I don't, I don't know right now what the outcome is going to be. Uh, for all I know, it could be a coin flip. But I, I'm going to side with Iowa State and put this down as a win. Uh, we prevail somehow. Um, I don't know. I want to see us win, obviously, so I'm fine. But, uh, man, having this as a win would be huge. Uh, no doubt having this as a win would be huge, um, which is why it's an L. Uh, I, I just – this is going to be your night game of the week. Uh, it, I don't know what it's going to be on. It'll probably be on Fox, Fox's nightcap. Um, there's going to be a lot of attention, a lot of hype going up to this week. And if ESPN doesn't take this game, I'm sure big noon Fox's big noon kickoff will probably be at this game with these two teams. Um, there's going to be a lot of hype around it. Uh, They will all be there in full force. OU fans. Uh, and they're basically probably going to try and use this as a, it doesn't matter if you're good, you're still the little brother of the conference to make it look like that were irrelevant. So I, I believe this is a loss. All right. Uh, yeah. So final game of the season, TCU coming to Ames. Mike, last game of the season, who you got? I've got Iowa State. I've got this as a win. Iowa State at this point, um, if they already have three conference losses, like I have them with, um, this is they're playing, if they, they're playing for their, championship game lies you know it'd be a must win to make that conference championship game um and i think they get it done and do find a way to make that conference championship game even with three conference losses i think um everybody except oklahoma ends up with at least three conference losses and iowa state uh wins with some tiebreakers and gets this the number two seed for that uh conference i also this is a win i don't see this as anything special kind of like the the texas tech game I think it's going to be a win. Yeah. W. I think TCU is a 500 team, um, but this isn't this isn't that win for them. Um, and I think there it's just going to be an uninviting environment to play in end of the year for uh, TCU. They're not going to like the like the weather up there. So, and with that, rounding that out, as Mike alluded to, Mike, the realist of the group of the uh, co-hosts, has Iowa State finishing out the season at nine and three. Uh, that's pre postseason. Uh, Wyatt, the optimist of the group, <laughs> has the Cyclones with one loss, uh, that being a conference loss, uh, finishing the year 11 and one, best record ever in Iowa State history. And I have us finishing with 10 wins, going 10 and two, uh, on the season. So if, if we end that season 11 and one, we're playing in the Big 12 championship game probably making the college football playoff with a win in the championship game. So I could certainly see that happening. It would not surprise me if the Cyclones went 11 and one, obviously I don't think it's going to happen, but it wouldn't surprise me. I I would be surprised this is definitely, my predictions are definitely optimistic. It would be, it would be a good surprise. I would like it a lot. 
but it's an optimistic uh, optimistic schedule I got. I like it. I mean, we will we will probably be favored in eleven games this year. Mm-hmm. Right, we will probably be favored in every game except at Oklahoma. So uh, that's why I wouldn't be surprised by eleven wins. If you're favored eleven times, win ten or eleven times. So I wouldn't be surprised by that. But to me, this is the year. Like, I'm not. I'm laying on all yours parades a little bit. But this is this is probably as good as it's ever going to get for Cyclone football this year. Like if you just, we went over the roster earlier, the number of players we're going to lose at the end of this year is, is going to be tough to recover for in the 20, for the 2022 season. This is the year. Like if Iowa state is ever going to win a conference championship and make the college football playoff, this is the year that they're going to do it. So this is the year they will not be this good in 2022. This is the year. That that that's my closing for this cyclone football segment. This this is the year. Go do it. Go be great. Don't be afraid to be a legend. Yeah, I I mean I I'm in in a complete agreement. The amount of seniors that are out after this, it's going to be a complete changing of the guard. Um, yeah, there's some great recruiting classes coming in, but you know what happens with recruiting is they need experience. They need that. They need that action. Big 12 football, even though it might be falling apart, it's still a completely different level of athletics than high school football it is. is. doesn't matter where you come from. doesn't matter. It's a completely different level, different speed, different pace. Everything moves so much faster. Uh, you got to make quicker decisions, and that's just the way that it goes. And there's more competition. So that's, that's it. But this is the year. So be excited for sure. Uh, soak it in while you can. Relish the opportunity. Um, just enjoy it, man. Just enjoy it. I'm going to disagree ever so slightly. This is the year, 100%. Like you said, just do it. Go be great. However, I think a couple of years from now, uh, the next three or four years after this season, aren't going to drop back off to uh, pre-2015 I-State. No, 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 no. I don't oh, think no. be that bad, but they will not be this good. This is an exponential growth that peaks and drops just a little bit. So we're still in the upper echelon in the Big 12 or wherever we want. We're still in the top one, two, three in the conference, you know. We're still going to be great, but this is most definitely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, this, this is the year. So enjoy it, Cyclone fans. Don't don't look too far ahead. Enjoy each game watching this team play. Enjoy the run. Watch a possible college football playoff run unfolding in front of you. Well, possible. It, it is possible. Enjoy it. But for some fans out there, they're not having as great a time. Um, Mike, why why are the Mets so upset at their fans, and why are their fans so upset at them, maybe? Well, Mets fans are definitely upset at their team. I mean, if you want to know why Mets fans are so upset at their team, just roll back the calendar about a month to August 2nd, and um, if we go ahead and roll the calendar back, the Mets are 55 and 50, a 524 winning percentage, two full, two and a half full games clear of Philadelphia leading that division. And then if you um, now come back to today, the Mets are now 63 and 67, a 485 winning percentage, and seven and a half games behind Atlanta for first place in the NL East. So the Mets have absolutely collapsed since the uh the all-star break with or not uh, since the trade deadline i mean with bad play um mets fans are frustrated when i was out east last week i could have bought upper deck tickets to a mets game for literally one dollar on seat geek they were selling them for literally a dollar one dollar is all it would have taken to get tickets to a mets game their fans are not happy right now not one bit um and the mets players are showing their frustration at the fans um Javi Baez um, on Sunday um, after hitting a big home run gave a thumbs down, gave two thumbs down to the fans as he was rounding the bases. And after the game voiced his frustration um, with the fans that were booing the team and, you know, saying we're not going to be nice to you guys if you're not nice to us and a bunch of stuff like that. Um, And it's, it's gotten really messy because even the Mets GM came out and said like, 
look, if you're not playing well, the fans have every right to boo you. So play better. So basically the GM came out and took the fan side in this argument. Um, it's turning into a big mess, just like the Mets always seem to be a big mess. Um, yeah, the Mets are a big mess. That's the moral of this story. So um, across New York City, though, the Yankees are definitely not a mess. Um, before Saturday when they lost, they had won, what was it, like 12 straight games. Um, the Yankees had won before they lost on Saturday to Oakland. To Oakland. Um, they firmly cemented themselves in that first wild card spot with a two-game lead over Boston for it. Um, they haven't been able to make up much ground on the Rays because they've won. The Rays have won seven in a row now, um, so there's still six games behind the Rays. But they've uh, put themselves ahead of Boston and have started to bury Toronto um, now too. So the Yankees have put themselves in a good position. They're rolling and look like they're going to make the playoffs again and be formidable in the playoffs. Um, the Padres, who everyone was picking to battle the Dodgers to the end, um, have sort of hit a wall here. The Padres now all of a sudden are um, 15 and a half games at a first place um, behind the first place Giants and uh, 12 games behind the Dodgers for second place. And as we talked about last week, they're not even a wild card team right now. The Cincinnati Reds are the... Um, second wild card team in the NL right now, a game and a half ahead of San Diego. So the Padres are only seven games over 500, two and eight in their last 10, and in real danger of not making the playoffs, which would be just catastrophic for them considering all the trades that they made these last two off seasons. They've traded away most of their farm system. Um, so if they don't make the playoffs, there's going to be uh, some angry fans in San Diego. Yes, you're going to see San Diego slip back into the Padres that we knew six, seven years ago, where they were kind of bottom of the bottom of the NL West, uh, just trying to develop their farm system. And now they they made it near the top, but unfortunately at the wrong time, uh, as the Giants and the Dodgers just continue to streak out in the in the West. As Mike talked about, the the Cincinnati Reds just continue to roll on. They're six and four in their last ten. Uh, their run differential continues to increase slowly but surely. Uh, so they're just winning the games that they have to and putting themselves in a position uh, to 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 make the playoffs. And I mean, looking at it, San Diego is continuing to lose ground. They only have a two game advantage of the of the St. Louis Cardinals of potentially slipping to the second team out. Uh, in the National League for the postseason. So Padres fans, it's looking a little bleak. They've been on a, a tough losing streak, but uh, they'll have to see if they can kick it into gear uh, heading into the postseason. Um, the, the Padres did play one of the games of the year um, this last week against the uh, Dodgers. It was a 16-inning game, the longest in Major League Baseball since that dumb runner on second base rule um, came into effect. But no runs were scored in the ninth through the 14th inning. No runs were scored in any of those innings. Both teams scored two in the 15th, and the Dodgers finally prevailed with two in the 16th to win um, five to three. But do you guys want to know what the best stat of that um, – entire game was you guys ready for this oh, hit me with it jake cronenworth um who was the starting shortstop for the padres in this game um reached base in six consecutive innings without ever setting foot in the batter's box can you guys tell me how that happened he reached base in six he was on base in six consecutive innings without ever setting foot in the batter's box pinch runner which you can only you pinch run once. Times. Only one. Um, I mean, obviously, he had to have been the last out to for like one of the innings, right? To be the be be the designated man on second base, but you can't do that in six straight innings. Oh, was it how they shifted the pitcher around? So here's how it works. So in the eleventh inning, so. After double switching, he was batting right ahead of the pitcher spot. So in the 11th inning, he was intentionally walked so they could pitch to the pitcher who they got out. 
Now, the runner on second base, there's a rule, for those of you who don't know, that if the pitcher's spot was the last out, you can use this the one above them to be the runner on second base to start the next inning. You don't have to use the pitcher's spot. So then in the 12th inning, even though he wasn't the last out, he got to start on second base. In the 13th inning, he came up with two outs and was intentionally walked, and then the pitcher got out. So he started on second base in the 14th inning. In the 15th inning, he was intentionally walked with two outs, and the pitcher's spot got out, and he started the next inning on second base again. Wow. Six consecutive innings. Oh my goodness! On base without ever setting foot in the batter's box. That's that's gotta be that's awesome. I like that. Yes. Yeah. Aided by the new intentional walk rule, where you don't have to throw a pitch to intentionally walk somebody. Right. Which... So yes, he was on base for six consecutive innings without ever setting foot in the batter's box in any of those innings. Well, okay. Box. So so on paper he didn't step into the batter's box, but in reality he didn't either. In reality, he didn't either. Okay. Yeah, can, well, I guess I wasn't watching the video, but in reality, right? Because what I was saying is he could have stepped into the batter's box, yes, but, but you know it wouldn't, wouldn't be recorded. Right. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, there's there's your fun fact from that game. I thought that was really cool when I saw that uh, across uh, across social media. So that is a fun fact. Um, we are approaching the September stretch run of Major League Baseball, and we will keep you all informed on what happens in September, along with our um, Cyclone football recaps that will come every week. But that's uh, where we stand uh, going into the month of September for Major League Baseball. Um, Our weekly turtle tab, um, we have a very interesting one. He played in five games um, since we last talked. The um, most exciting one of those games was almost certainly – um, was almost certainly against the Red Sox on Thursday, um, August 26th. Um, he played the whole game. Um, he had he had a home run in that game that almost went over the Green Monster. It hit one of those advertisements that sticks up um, from the monster. So it almost went out of the stadium. Um, and besides that, um, he came into pitch at the end of that game. Again, his third appearance of the year since it was a 12-2 blowout. Um, and I believe he threw the slowest pitch on record in Major League Baseball this year. He threw a 37.6-mile-an-hour EFIS pitch, which I believe is the slowest in Major League Baseball. And then to follow that up, he threw a 76.6-mile-an-hour fastball. So he had a 39-mile-an-hour difference on two consecutive pitches which also has to be one of the greatest in baseball this year. Um, He did not give up a run. It was a scoreless inning. Um, He uh, did not give up a run in a scoreless inning. Um, So that was great. Um, It was kind of fun to watch um, at Fenway Park there. I enjoyed being there to watch that. didn't enjoy any of the rest of that game, but I did enjoy that part of it because Willens Astadio is always entertaining. In Mike's Stupid Rules this week, um, we're going to talk about player positioning. So you remember how um, in a ball this year, they banned the shift, right? So that you need two infielders on both sides of the infield and on the dirt, right? So, right. That isn't the case in major league baseball, right? You can shift wherever you want. You can have outfielders come into the infield. Like you sometimes see late in games. Um, if there's a runner on third with less than two outs. So what we were talking about, um, is do you need a catcher? Why don't, if there's nobody on base, you just put the catcher in the infield, right? Like you don't need a catcher. There's no reason for a catcher. If there's nobody on base, right? First pitch over the game. Why do you need a catcher? Ball rolls to the backstop. Who cares? Nothing happens. So the rule is, do you need a catcher? So we're going to look at rule 5.02, um, which talks about, um, Fielding, um, p- fielding position. So rule 5.02 reads, when the ball is put in play at the start of or during a game, all fielders other than the catcher shall be in fair territory. Um, the pitcher, while delivering, while in the act of delivering the ball, shall take his legal position, which is defined elsewhere. Except the pitcher and the catcher, any fielder may station himself anywhere in fair territory, 
So that's how you can move your outfielders to the infield and things like that. But it says the catcher shall station himself directly back of the plate. He may leave his position at any time to catch the pitch or make a play, except that when the batter is being given an intentional base on balls, the catcher must stand with both feet within the lines of the catcher's box until the ball leaves the pitcher's hand. The penalty of that would be a balk on the pitcher. The pitcher cannot deliver a pitch when there is not a catcher in the catch with two feet in the catcher's box. The penalty mm. for that is a balk on the pitch. So yes, you do need a catcher. Now, the, as soon as the pitch is thrown, if the catcher really wanted to, he could get up and run to somewhere else. Um, <laughs> I don't know why you'd want to do that. But technically, as soon as that ball is pitched, Yes, the catcher could get up and leave. He would not make any friends with the home plate umpire. Um, if he did that, the home plate umpire would not appreciate taking that fastball to the chest. Um, but there you go. So, no, you could not position the catcher as a fifth infielder or a fourth outfielder or anything like that. That would be against major league. So. Mm. Good to know. There you have it. Speaking of things to know, do we have anything – coming off our write that down prediction board this week we do not we have a lot of predictions that'll come off um after either the first week of the cyclone football season or the first week of the nfl season so our next two accountability sessions will definitely have stuff in them but this one does not so i will start us off with um the prediction as i do this season um i'm going to predict since i predicted both uh Iowa or the UNI and Iowa games would be wins above. I'm doubling down here and predicting that both of those games will be double digit wins. Uh, I don't know. The, the Iowa one scares me, but the UNI one kind of does too. I mean, do you think we're going to completely steamroll both of them, Kyle? You, you and I, I could see, but I could also see that being like a three point game. I mean, right. I can see both of them being three point games, honestly. Um, I don't think there's any way we steamroll both of them. You think a triple or a home run? Mm. Are there there aren't any lines out yet for any of there those? There are games. no lines for the UNI game because Vegas generally doesn't allow betting on FCS game on FBS versus FCS games. So there is, is no line on the UNI game. Is and there the a line game. on the IO? It, oh, it hasn't. It won't, come out, it yet, won't right? come out until Sunday or Monday. Right. Oh man, I. I don't know. Triple, maybe, I guess. I'm okay with the triple. That That's still, uh, I think that's kind of lowballing it by a little bit, but I like that because I want to see it happen. I'm fine with the triple. I won't complain. Awesome. Do you have anything from Josh this week? Is he still alive? Yep. Um, he's also looking forward to Cyclone football, just like the rest of us. And he is going to predict that Iowa State at least doubles UNI's score. So Iowa State doubles up UNI at least. I think this is a double because going back to Mike's prediction, it's it's a toss up, right? For for beating you and I, it could be within three, it could be a thirty point differential. I don't know which one it's going I mean, to be. But if it's three to nothing or six to three, that's doubling up. That's true. Iowa State does not have to score a ton of points to double up you and I. It's true, but, yeah. But yes, I think this is a double. Yeah. Yes. Quiet. I'm going to say that Iowa State scores on their first drive versus you and I. This could be the kickoff return if we have the ball, or it could be uh, our first drive from screen. So the first offensive drive. You're not saying if they start with the ball, we'll score on defense. The first offensive drive is a, is a, is a, is a score, is a not sc- necessarily a touchdown. It could be a field goal. If we're on defense and we get a safety and then don't score on the offensive drive, is this prediction right or wrong? I think it should be right because we all know that's not going to happen. <laughs> what if it does? Not going to. You might as well just count it as being right because I think it, within the spirit of the of the prediction, it's correct. I'm thinking this is a single either way. I hope so. Yeah. Single. Uh, single. It is. Kyle. Uh. So, I mean, this falls directly in line with my earlier prediction uh, that I made uh, that Iowa State will go. 10 and two, but I'm going to say to, to buffer me a little bit, I'm going to say Iowa state will win at least 10 games this season. Just, just for the record, I think Vegas has Iowa states. Like they, they said that put it at nine and a half, their win total this season. So 
does this include um, conference championship and bowl games or just the 12 regular season games? Mm, spicy. Just the 12 regular season games. Okay. That makes it less likely. Does that push it into double or triple territory? I'm thinking double. I, I like that. I was like, I, I'm fine with the double. I was like, it, it just can't be a single. If you would have included a ball game and a conference championship game in there, I would have tried to give you a single. But if it's just the 12 regular season games, it's a double. I like it. With the single, two doubles, and a triple, that rounds are to write that down prediction segment, which means we're at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening to this super long episode, episode 140 of the 11 Cast. Appreciate you sticking around. We will be back with you next week, so be sure to tune in to episode 141. Signing off for the 11 Cast, we have your hosts, Kyle Mersh, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter. Talk to you all again next week. Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones!